Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we could produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube, and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin. I'm joined by Garth Jackson. How are you, Garth? Good, good, good. Let's get this done again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Basically, I know that we are over a week removed from Impact Homecoming on January 6th. Uh, we were absolutely buzzing, raring to go to do a podcast on Tuesday, and unfortunately, we had issues. It's usually my internet, whether it was my internet, I don't think we'll ever find out, but there we are. Um, but we're here now, and that is the main thing. So we're going to whip round. We are going to have a talk about Impact's Homecoming, their first foray into pay-per-view television in 2019 from the Asylum in Nashville, Garth First impressions of this show? Really good. Really enjoyed it. Um, I, I was watching it and time just totally seemed to fly by watching it, which must be a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. It, if you've got a show where you're... I mean, the hype was very much centred around two matches, and that was yeah. the Ultimate X match and the tag match. And you're absolutely right, the entire pay-per-view, because half of these matches weren't announced until the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, Sammy Callahan and Willie Mack, for example, Ali, Sue Young, that tag match wasn't wasn't announced until the week before the, the go-home impact. So, you know, a lot was riding on those matches. I think ev- more or less, with the odd exception, which we'll get into, I'm sure, all of these matches delivered, and it was a really, really enjoyable show. It was, yeah. Um, so we'll dive straight in, and we'll give you our thoughts, our you know our ratings, and so on and so forth as we go through. We started with the opening video package, um, which transitioned from all the stars of old, from all the time that Impact or TNA, as it was then, spent in the asylum. You know, and we go through this lovely chronology, a really well-made chronology of everything that happened up until today's Impact stars, narrated by Johnny Impact. Um, I am <laughs> going to say here, this is the best I've heard. Johnny Impact talk and a massive thing for me in Johnny Impact's reign as Impact Champion is I find that he struggles to connect with an audience and I don't know whether yeah. that's because he's he seems so insincere in his promos they seem very cutty, uh, sorry cookie cutter mm-hmm. and therefore they seem very scripted um, yeah, I don't know if it's I don't know what it is I just I find it hard to invest in Johnny Impact and this you know the entire end of the show shows me that I am certainly not the only one who feels that way. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't think I don't think I've ever really known to cut a really good promo. Um, I mean, the stuff he did with Aries, like Aries obviously put him to shame. Um, the Killer Cross puts him to shame every week. Uh, he just comes across really sort of like he's sort of fumbling in the dark. 
He does. For his lines, or... I mean, if they're not scripted, which I doubt they are at Impact, or they're very, very sort of sort of short bullet points, he just doesn't seem to be able to connect it, really sort of flows. And I think that really sort of hinders him. He's really, he's not really very sort of... It doesn't really connect with the fans very well. No, and that showed for me the very, very first time we saw Johnny Impact as champion, that uh, Impact after Bound for Glory. Mm -hmm. And he delivered this promo about how he'd always done what he what he set out to do, no matter who told him, you know, basically the 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 cookie cutter reach for the stars promo. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a small venue and there wasn't a lot of noise when it came to Johnny Impact's promo. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I find it difficult to invest in him as a champion. And I find, I find it even more difficult to invest in someone else later on who we'll get into very, very shortly. Um, what did you think about Impact embracing its roots? We had the red ropes. We had the yellow turnbuckles. We looked yeah. very much like we were in 2005, the asylum years. What did you think? Looked really good. They had the old um, Impact logo. Well, the sort of the old font, and it seemed to work. And the crowd seemed to be into it. That was the best thing. The crowd were really into it. Um, yeah. uh, sort of. Well, like sort of. Yeah, sort of come home to where it all started, and they seemed to. Yeah, they seemed to be sort of really sort of relishing it, which sort of really helped the program. And that was throughout the show. Yeah. Um, they didn't, you know, they were they were loud throughout the show, apart from, again, one point which we'll get into, and it was a real bugbear of mine. But we started, and I think this was an excellent idea, to set the scene for the entire show to start with that match that's got that had everyone talking on Twitter, on Facebook, on social media about Impact and Homecoming, the ultimate yeah. X match for the vacant X Division title, which saw Rich Swan, Trey Miguel, Ethan Page, and Jake Crist. Um... Really, really, really good match here. Was it the best Ultimate X match ever? No, certainly not. But it was very, very enjoyable. It was very high octane. They were given 14 minutes just over. And mm. I think what the four men did in that time was exceptional. I mean, my mm. a big MVP of this match. No man was carried in this match. And I worried when they announced the competitors and once we'd had the qualification matches, I was worried that Ethan Page would be the man that was carried throughout this match. And yeah. for me, and I know you feel exactly the same, I thought he used his size really well and he was a great counter for the more athletic Trey and Rich Swan. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he had, he didn't, because the, the one thing that I thought he might have struggled with was the actual sort of overhanging ropes, but he was not, he was fine with it. Um, he even did that sort of, um, sort of hanging elbow drop. I think it was on Jake Christ, or it was, was it on Jake Christ? Yeah, yeah. And Jake Christ, of all the people, he seemed to really, really struggle, as if he didn't have the sort of upper body strength to do it. Um, <laughs> I mean, Ethan Page even had to help him out at one point. Yes, he did. Um, but you know what? Again, even that, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the match. No, not at all. Um, I loved them. Um, I loved them. Um, Jake Christ's Spider-Man outfit. <laughs> very much. perfect welcome to the spider-verse influenced outfit yeah. yeah very much so very good um i really enjoyed the bit where as early on 
And this this has always bugged me. With matches like this, with matches like Hell in a Cell, and not Hell in a Cell, sorry, Steel Cage matches, where you need to get out of the, sh the cell, or this, mm -hmm. where you just need to climb. This, they did it brilliantly, because the bell went, and all four of them went to different corners and climbed. Yeah. It's, it's just, As you would. It's logical sense. It's logical sense. There was a brilliant spot where they all dropped and hit Hurricane Rana's on each other. That was really yeah. good. We had the usual high-flying shenanigans from Trey, who hit, who was climbing up a metal rig and hit a moonsault onto the back. Very reminiscent of Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Um, we had... Jay big um, Chris leg drop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was savage, yeah. It was, not it? Yeah. Horrible, that did. And it sounded <laughs> even worse. Speaking of Jake Christ, he took a real shine to Rich Swan, hitting him with a tombstone pile driver on the floor, on the ramp, no <laughs> yeah. less. And then just really, really good heel work, just carried Rich, Rich Swan on his shoulders, further and further away from the ring, dropped him on the stage, and then ran back to try and get the belt. <laughs> I really enjoyed that bit. Just good, it's just good story. It's good storytelling. Yeah, exactly. So and you know what? You don't necessarily need that going into a match like this. It is about the high spots and the entertainment mm -hmm. value and the high-octane nature of the match. And they really did tap into that. I mean, even the ending sequence, if we look at the ending sequence, we have got Swan and Trey Miguel, who, to me, were the two favourites anyway, mm -hmm. um, fighting in one corner on the top rope. Um, Trey hits a Hurricane Rana. Swan rolls through, sprints to the opposite corner, and at this point now it's a race because Trey Miguel doesn't realise that Rich Swan's rolled through the Hurricane Rana, so they're now both climbing for the belt. There's a race on, and Rich Swan gets there first. I say gets there first. He gets near to it, and then the belt drops into the I was going to <laughs> Which, you know, isn't necessarily an issue and certainly didn't take away from how happy I was for Rich Swan. Um, but even so... It was very reminiscent of Booker T in WCW, where he grabbed the box and the belt fell out from underneath. Um, yeah. <laughs> even so, really good match, really solid match. I enjoyed every one of these competitors. Again, like I said at the start, I was worried about Ethan Page's involvement, but he he proved me wrong in many ways, and I'm happy about that. Um, yeah. Overall, Garth, who do you think the right person won? I do, I think, yeah, I think sort of Rich Swan was arguably the sort of the biggest star here. Um, he's somebody who can carry the belt and he's got all the charisma that's needed sort of to take that sort of championship on more. And I mean, look at the people that he's got to work with now as well. He's the perfect foil for Trey, Phoenix, um, Willie Mack, if he has to have a feud with him, like so many good workers on that sort of level. Um, I think, yeah, I think he's perfect. Yeah, I mean, both me and you are huge fans of Rich Swan in WWE. So, uh, to be fair, I think Trey came out with this with a lot of sort of plaudits as well. Yeah, absolutely. Looked really good. Absolutely, and considering Trey was the one that wasn't involved in that debut tag match of the Rascals that got everyone talking, it's mm -hmm. nice to see that he has got that buzz about him now, which you know he thoroughly deserves. Thoroughly yeah. deserves. Um, match rating, Garth. Then, out of ten, what would we give this? Uh, I'll probably give it a solid... It's not the best one, so I'll probably say seven. Uh, I'm glad you said that, because I was going to say the exact same thing for the exact <laughs> same reason. Um, it was a good match. It got everyone hyped. It got everyone into the match. Was it the best Ultimate X match, like we've said? Probably not. Um, but yeah, a really, really good match. Thoroughly enjoyable. Rich Swan comes out. New X Division champion. 
This brought us on to the women's tag match pitting Ali, the new Dark Ali character, and her weird, like, I don't know, kind of bondage keeper? Is that what she's supposed to be, <laughs> Sue Young? Uh, taking on Jordan Grace and Kira Hogan. Now, I took issue with this match straight away because I don't see what Jordan Grace gets out of this. Um, well, it's just, she's just sort of plonked in there. She was. It was clearly a way of trying to get Jordan Grace on the card because mm -hmm. she's, you know, she's a hot commodity and she's rightly so. Um, it was just a case of she came out and helped Kira Hogan at one point. Don't mm -hmm. really understand why. And <laughs> we now have this tag match. Um, it was a very by the numbers tag match. And yeah. I think by the numbers is being kind it was very forgettable there were there were high spots of obviously there were certainly high points i thought sue young's reverse neck breaker off the turnbuckle was really cool i thought kira hogan you know starting with a house like a house on fire was amazing um but ultimately the one spot that rings true for me is the double suplex of sue young off the apron onto the ground outside that was fantastic yeah, that, that was, was good, really yeah. really good um and the double sort of Power bomb slam thing by Jordan Grace. That was exactly what I was going to come on to next. Yeah, yeah. I had both of them. That was excellent. Yeah, absolutely, and that's exactly how they should be booking her on Impact. I am a woman who can literally power bomb and Samoan drop one of you at the same <laughs> time. That is how fucking scary I am, and that's what they should be playing on. But yeah. ultimately, this match ends with your typical bullshit. Uh, Sue Young spits red mist into the face of Jordan Grace, who and takes. The ref. And the ref, yeah. The ref actually takes more of it, I think, than Jordan Grace. Um, how, how was that not a DQ? There are a couple of things that I don't understand why they're not a DQ in this, but we'll we'll get on to that in a minute. Um, there's Red Mist spat at Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace rolls out of the ring. Kira Hogan does the typical babyface bullshit of then <laughs> going to check on Jordan Grace. Have you seen the size of Jordan Grace? I think she's okay with a bit of red stuff mixed spat yeah. in the face. Anyway, she pays for that. She turns straight into a code breaker from um, Ali. Ali then gets the red, horrible, manky glove, applies the mandible claw, and we have a referee stoppage, meaning that the winners are Ali and Sue Young. This, like I've said, was there. And I think that is all you can say about it. It was clearly yeah. a match that was brought in to bring along this next story beat which sees Ali and Sue Young continue to attack Kira Hogan, their dead bridesmaids or the undead bridesmaids, whatever you want to call them, bring out the coffin, and they attempt to put Kira Hogan in before they can open it. Who should burst out but Rosemary? Super <laughs> Rosemary. She's I back. Know. I know, I know. We've all been waiting for Rosemary's return. She's back. She pops out of it. Um, she kicks the ass of every undead bridesmaid before staring down uh, Sue Young. Flatten Sue Young, and then we get a stare off between Ali and Rosemary, where just as Rosemary is about to touch Ali in sort of a comforting way, Ali bulks, runs from the ring, fade to black. Um, I'm so glad Rosemary's back, Goth. Yep. Uh, it sort of injects a bit of impetus in the match. <laughs> it did. It it made it mean something because ultimately if we'd have had this and then that was it, I was very, very concerned that this would be just just a pointless, pointless, pointless match. And to a certain extent, it certainly was pointless, but at least we have this angle to go on. I would yeah. give it... I mean... It wasn't a badly worked match. It was just pointless. No one cared gone, about it. 
I'll go on five, just completely middle of the road match, just yeah, average match. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with five. Um, I think four was being a bit harsh, which was what I originally predicted. That was my gut feeling was four. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you think that Cody versus Juice Robinson was a four was a four star out of ten <laughs> match, I realised that maybe I was being slightly harsh. Yeah. <laughs> um, this match next, Moose taking on Eddie Edwards in a falls count anywhere match. This was beautiful chaos, Garth. Brilliant, brilliant. It's like it was like the best of ECW. Yeah, it was, and this was a lot more chaotic than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. My concern was they set the bar quite high at final hour when Eddie took that power bomb out of the ring onto the ramp. Yeah, and I was like, well, you know, are they going to go higher than that? Are they going to make it quite a tame one? Are they just going to chase each other around the ring for fifteen minutes? But they didn't. <laughs> Fucking nope. hell did they not. This match was brilliant. They used absolutely everything they could lay their hands on, whether it be chairs, whether it be beer cans, whether it be kendo sticks, whether it be pieces of barricade. It was just it was amazing. To the point where the most savage spot of the of this entire match didn't actually involve a weapon. Eddie Edwards goes to dive out of the ring through a suicide dive. Moose catches him and power bombs him onto the edge of the apron twice. Unbelievable! And that, that first one, Garth. I was genuine. My spine crawled up my arms. Yeah. It was oh my god! It was horrendous. It was one of those where you just sharp intake of air. You're like, Oof. <laughs> not as I guarantee it wasn't a sharper intake of breath as Eddie Edwards had. Um, <laughs> fucking hell, Moose, calm down. Um, the second one was considerably more tame. Um, But then they fight into the crowd. The match takes place, continues to take place. We've got beer cans being stolen from fans and slapping into each other's face. Um, At one point, Eddie Edwards dives from the balcony onto Moose, which was excellent. Um, We then had... Did you hear the the ref at that point? Um, He was like like shouting at Eddie. He was like, someone's going to die here. That was it. It was saying (laughs) to Moose as he was leading Moose away from the steps. He was like, someone's going to die, Moose. And it was like, yeah, obviously, this is the point. Um, oh, that was really good. We had, we then had Moose throwing chairs into the ring. At one point, I believe we had eight chairs in the ring. Yeah. Um, Edwards manages to get Moose onto the top turnbuckle and superplexes him onto the stack of chairs. Yeah. Garth, who took the most? <laughs> who took the most yeah. of that impact? Eddie landed on like his head. Honestly, I don't think Moose landed on any chairs at all. It was all Eddie <laughs> Edwards. All Eddie Edwards and his poor, poor back that was already in pieces because of that fucking powerbomb. Um, but even so, we get to the sort of finishing straight. At the early parts of the match, Moose had set up a sort of horrible little bridge at the side of the ring. He'd taken the ring steps and then he'd made a bridge from the ring steps to the ring using a piece of guardrail. And at this point, you know, if Eddie Edwards doesn't go through that straight away, Moose is the man going through it. And sure enough, the inevitable yeah. happened. Moose ran at Eddie. Eddie lowballed, brought the ropes down, and Moose went through it. It sounded horrific. Um, Moose took it extremely well. At this point, Moose is rolled back into the ring. Eddie goes underneath the ring and brings out Kenny, who gets a bigger pop than Tyre Valkyrie. (laughs) (laughs) Rolls into the ring and lays into Moose. Alicia Edwards, who... Runs down. Those shots were fucking unbelievable they as were, well. They were fucking horrible. Now, the reason I didn't say that straight away is because the most savage shot is saved for last. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Alicia runs in, and at this point, I was like, no, don't ruin it, Alicia. What are you doing here? <laughs> I thought we'd have this whole, no, Eddie, don't, Eddie. You're going crazy, Eddie. The whole I, thing that she's been doing for the I whole thought of this gonna, run. I thought he was going to accidentally end up hitting her. Well, that's what I thought as do. well. And then I was like, I'm not entirely sure I'm comfortable with that. But it didn't matter because that didn't happen. Alicia ran in, took the kendo stick and then beat the shit into Moose herself. <laughs> with the audience chanting, she's hardcore. I loved it. It was brilliant. Perfect. She then gives Eddie the kendo stick back, says, finish him. And bloody hell does Eddie finish him. Because Moose, oh, yeah. for half of these kendo stick shots that he takes to the head, he doesn't get his arms up. It's, it's not even bothering. No, it's all on the head. Now, I have felt a kendo stick. There ain't no way that's getting near my head. <laughs> I don't give a shit how unrealistic it looks. That's not going near my head. Moose, however, is a lot more of a man than I am, and he takes about he must take three or four full kendo stick shots to the head, yeah. unprotected. Um, Eddie Edwards then lands a DDT and wins after 13 minutes and 20 seconds. Now, this... It was a far better match than I thought it had any right to be. Um, I enjoyed all of the chemistry that these two have. Everything they did was meant to hurt each other, and I believed that they were trying to hurt each other. And that's a massive thing for hardcore matches. Yeah. I need to believe that they want to hurt each other. If I don't believe that, if they're pulling punches or whatever, then I, I'm not invested in the match. I don't care. You've lost me. But this, it was a really good match. Fast paced, didn't go too long, which was good. And yeah, just a thoroughly enjoyable match. Yeah, really good. Really enjoyed because obviously the, the story leading into it really had some sort of meaning. And it's built for quite a while as well, which is good. It has. It's been one of the most enduring storylines on Impact. I mean, we've mm -hmm. had everything from, you know, uh, False Counts Anywhere matches. We've had the heel turn to start off with. We had Moose and that really, really long fucking table. <laughs> which. That, it, um, that Abandoned bar. The abandoned bar. We had the rooftop brawl. We had, <laughs> we've had all sorts. We have had all sorts. And it's nice to see this culmination because it was a match that was worthy of the culmination of the storyline. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'd, I'd give it seven out of ten. Yeah, I've got. Well, I've written seven and a half down. So yeah. Are you Are you willing to round down for me, Garth? Yeah, I'll go down. Fantastic. <laughs> Is that for the sake of argument? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's, yeah, it's it's not quite an eight, but. Nearly. Yeah, it was it was a very, very enjoyable match. Very enjoyable. Speaking of enjoyable, Sammy Callahan, Garth. Yeah. Good. Excellent. God, this man is just he can do no wrong in my eyes. He really can't. This promo he cuts on Willie Mack backstage saying that he should have listened to Rich Swan and that he's got a date with the death machine. I just, <laughs> I believe his intensity. I really, really do. Yeah. <laughs> The fact that he's blatantly coming up with this on the fly as well, that's even more impressive. Again, I, I believe him. And because yep. I believe him, that's half the battle. This is the problem I have with Johnny Impact. And I know that for, in some ways it's a lot easier to cut a heel promo than it is to cut a face promo. But mm -hmm. here, if I don't, again, if I don't believe you, you've lost me. I believe everything yep. Sammy Callahan says. You know, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter how much he loses or how yeah, much he wins. Like, I still believe him. Just the intensity; it's it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he looks like he's going to bust a blood vessel sometimes. He does go very pink very quickly. He's got a shade of the Brock Lesnar's about him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the old the old purple face. 
Um, but this led us into our next match, Willie Mack taking on Sammy Callahan In a little bit of a grudge match, Willie Mack has got history with OVE, having been shafted in his qualification match for Ultimate X with Jake Crist by Dave and Sammy Callahan sort of distracting him as he got pinned. We then have this interesting storyline between Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan because Rich Swan keeps telling Willie Mack, you don't want to go there, I've been there before, you don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. We're left none the wiser, Sammy Callahan obviously stopped the Crists attacking Swan. So it's a very, very interesting dynamic we have here. However, Willie Mack is fuming, Willie Mack is out for blood and he is the one that starts this match off, that starts quite an annoying trope. Now, in the previous match, we jumped the bell. In this match, we jumped the bell. Can you guess what yeah. happens in the next match? Anyway, this match, <laughs> again, I I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah. Um, Willie Mack is just, he's a freak. What he Boy. does, he should not be able to do the shit he does. He's just his, his standing moonsaults are just unbelievable. You know, the near falls we had in this match. Everything from the kicks to the V-triggers, which Callahan's V-trigger, very good, nothing on Kenny Omega or Tommaso yeah. Ciampa, but a very, very good V-trigger. We had close, we had um, near falls. We had Death Valley drivers off the top turnbuckle, which looked fucking brilliant, which Willie <laughs> Mack kicked out of at one. They really made a big deal about that as well. They did. It made me laugh. This sort of led into the finishing sequence. This wasn't a long match, and it didn't feel long. Um, Callahan hit that Death Valley driver off the turnbuckle and Mac started to sort of hulk out. This was his rally. This was his comeback. Kicks out at one and then Sammy Callahan goes for a vicious lariat. Mac kicks out at one and at this point the the asylum crowd are going mental for Mac at this point. You know, return of the Mac, Willie Mac, Willie Mac. They absolutely love him. However, we then have quite... The ending seemed to come out of nowhere because without... Yeah. Any more of the match, really, Callahan hits him with the pile driver for the win. Now, I'm not necessarily saying the win should have gone to Willie Mack, but I just I feel like Willie Mack has lost a lot since he's yeah, gone to Impact. Say, I was going to say it's, an, it's another loss from. I mean, he's lost in singles matches. He lost in his qualification match for Ultimate X. He was the man that took the pinfall in the match against the Lucha Brothers. He lost against Willie. He lost against Rich Swan in a singles match. He seems to be the one taking the pins. And when you've got a man of Willie Mack's ability, Willie Mack's capability, he should not be losing every match. Now, Sammy Callahan, I thoroughly, thoroughly believe that he will have a championship program this year because oh, yeah. the Definitely. amount of praise that he's got for his programs with Pentagon and with Eddie Edwards, he deserves it. I mean, he's fucking gross. He's a disgusting man. <laughs> I mean, the bit where he spits on his hand and lets it drop back into oh, his mouth horrible. before slapping Mac on the chest. That's disgusting. Please don't do that again. Does but, that movie did um, where he pulled the apron over Willie Mac's head and kicked him in the face? We talked about this before, didn't we? And we're not entirely sure how Willie Mac knows that Callahan's coming. We don't know if Callahan makes yeah. a noise that gives it away. But Jesus Christ, that's dangerous. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, it was a, it was a good match. It was a good match. It just the ending came a little bit out of nowhere, which blindsided me somewhat. Mm-hmm. Sammy Callahan got the win, which yes, okay, you can argue is the right result. Willie Mack takes another defeat, and that's that's a big thing for me. It will be yeah. interesting to see how Impact Creative build him up again. Good match though. I'll I'll give it six out of ten. Yeah, that's what I've got. Six. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was a decent match. Um, it probably could have done with being a little bit longer. 
Yeah, I agree. There was there was a lot of near falls, and I feel like after that build up of Willie Mac's comeback, you know, he's kicked out of one, he's kicked out of one again. There should have been more than pile driver. See you later. Mm-hmm. There should have been yeah. more than that, and I don't feel like there was. But we are being pernickety. It is a good match. There's just this obviously isn't the end of the program. Yeah. Um, we then got Mackenzie backstage talking to Eli Drake, who is under a blindfold. Now, <laughs> we talk about Sammy Callahan's amazing promos. Jesus Christ, why is Eli Drake not in the championship picture, Garth? No idea. He must have pissed somebody off, or he's been injured or done something, because he's got everything that you would want in the champion. He has. He's got the look. Um, which, whenever I say that, I've just got Shawn Michaels' theme song stuck <laughs> in my head. I got the look. Um, he's got the intensity. He's got the promo chops. He's got a decent move set. It's nothing flashy, but he just looks like a champion. Half of the battle in wrestling is looking like a champion, especially mm-hmm. in mainstream promotions. And Eli Drake has got that. I mean, here, it's a simple promo. He says, yeah, I'm here for the monster ball. Abyss thinks he's going to win the monster ball, but he doesn't know that he's fighting the man with the monster ball. The monster <laughs> balls. He's just, he's, he's unbelievable. He's just, this again, entire promo was just fantastic. And again, it's it's like he's shooting from the hip. You can tell it's all just sort of coming out of him rather than being like a scripted promo. Yeah. Which seems to be sort of against the norm nowadays. I think... <sighs> Again, with it being so easy to watch wrestling, whether it be via Twitch, whether it be via a TV show or a network or just online on YouTube, I think a lot of wrestlers are becoming very aware that a lot more people can watch them now deliver these promos. And I think they just have that safety net now of scripts. And I think it does. It takes away the sincerity of what they're saying. And I feel like a massive, massive fault in Roman Reigns' creative is that he was scripted promos. And if they'd have just let him talk... I've got a feeling he'd probably got over. No, because well, you could always well. tell when Reigns' promos were scripted because they'd just be bullshit. Whereas mm-hmm. when he actually spoke from the heart, you were like, fucking hell. Yeah, all right, I believe him. Yeah. And Eli Drake never has that problem. I never feel like Eli Drake's promos are scripted. I never feel never. like Eli Drake struggles with the words. I never feel like he gets stage fright. He is a champion. You can tell. You can tell he's always thinking sort of a few sentences ahead. He yeah. knows what he's going to say. And he knows it's not like he's just got the words as well. He, he's got the mannerisms. He knows how to project it. Yeah, like I mean, imagine him with the with the belt in a promo against someone like Sammy Callahan or something like that. Yeah, be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Sammy Callahan does gain that championship eventually, which I do hand on heart feel like he's going to. Mm-hmm. Eli Drake would be a perfect competitor for him, a perfect foil. Those promo battles that they would have would be fantastic. However, we were here for the Monsters Ball match between Abyss and Eli Drake. Eli Drake has been on this one-man mission to destroy hardcore wrestling since his loss at Bound for Glory. We had this whole thing with the the lawsuit and Joseph Park uh, due to unsafe work environment. He then <laughs> turned on Joseph Park and this whole elaborate scheme was just to get Abyss out because he wanted to destroy Abyss, the pioneer of hardcore wrestling. Um, this match, and I will say this straight from the get-go, Abyss is not moving well. No. I mean, the man is, is 50-odd and the wear and tear of the ridiculously dangerous shit he did is starting to 
to take effect. It's yeah, it's de- really starting to become obvious. He's definitely got the sort of starting to get the sort of Mick Hawley shuffle. Yeah, he's certainly getting the Mick Foley limp, isn't he? Um, yeah. You know, he's getting the scars, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I feel like, did we need to see Abyss back here? Probably not. It was nice for him to get the amazing pop that he got because obviously, mm-hmm. and you know, Josh Matthews said this, he was born in the asylum, which technically I suppose he was. So it was nice for him to get that homecoming, in inverted commas, pun, um, that mm-hmm. homecoming pop. So for that reason and that reason yeah. only, fair enough. Now, this mm-hmm. had possibly one of my favourite spots of the night. Um, almost straight away we went for the weapons. The first one was the staple gun, <laughs> which Abyss yeah. goes for... Eli Drake with the staple gun, Eli Drake reverse it, gets, tries to hit him with a sunset pin. Abyss reverses it and literally just staples his chest. That was quite <laughs> funny. But yeah. then there was tables set up on the outside, two tables set up on the outside, in fact, as you went towards the ramp. Abyss is on the outside looking in. It sounded quite emotional and deep, didn't it? Um, mm-hmm. and at this point, Drake has got a baking tray and he runs yeah. full tilt at Abyss with this baking tray. Now, at this point, and this is, it was so good, and it proves that if you've got it, you don't lose it. Abyss catches him and in one fluid motion flips him over in a belly to belly from the ring and through the tables. Brilliant. Now, and, I, and one of them doesn't break, does it? One of them doesn't break, no. It lands on the side of it. And the wealth Nasty. that Eli Drake has from that spot is evident almost instantly. Yeah. Jesus Christ, it was such a fucking nasty bump. Yeah. It was entertaining <laughs> as hell, and it got a massive reaction from the crowd. But Jesus Christ, that was that was vile. That was horrible. Anyway, what better way to cap off a hardcore match than thumbtacks? Of course, thumbtacks made an appearance. According um, to Josh Matthews, thousands and thousands... Yes, thousands and thousands of thumbtacks. There was at most 300. At most. <laughs> the bag, I was just laughing at that. I know. The it. bag that they had belayed a lot more thumbtacks than were actually in it. I felt a little bit cheated. There was still a lot of thumbtacks, but thousands yeah. and thousands was a slightly overambitious call from Josh <laughs> Matthews. Anyway, Drake realises he's in trouble, blinds the referees with referee with thumbtacks, which apparently water cures... Oh, yeah. Who knew? Water to the eyes cures thumbtacks to the eyes. There you go. Little bit of medical information. Um, Anyway, blinds the referee, which means that he misses a black hole slam from Abyss. Um, We then get Janice. Of course, it's a hardcore match, and we get Janice. Abyss brings him out. Um, But Eli Drake manages to get Janice off him. He swings for Abyss. Abyss ducks, grabs Drake, and choke slams him onto the thumbtacks and there was no pulled punch with that he went straight into those thumbtacks and Eli Drake which was brilliant they they made no the people working on the impact cameras were fantastic they made no effort to mask the fact that Eli Drake shouted holy motherfucking shit which is brilliant because Jesus Christ, when he stood up, he looked like a human pinata. It was absolutely mental. He looked like a porcupine. It looked, it looked like he shouted, "You fucking cunt!" It did look to like this as well. Because <laughs> Matthew and Josh Matthew says, "Well, we don't need a lip reader to see what he said there." <laughs> 
yeah, Eli Drake made no no attempt to mask just how much pain he was in. Which, to be fair, I think I'd be in exactly the same yeah. amount of pain. Jesus Christ. Now, this is where the match slowed down for me. When Eli Drake attempts to zip-tie Abyss's wrists together. Yeah. Now, that took so long off. And I understand that Abyss, is, Abyss has got massive wrists. He's a big bloke. But Drake attempts to use one, finds that's too small. Then attempts to join two together, finds that he can't do that. Then manages it, then attempts to tie them round Abyss's wrist, which doesn't work because they break. Now, in that time, Abyss lies there. Yeah. <laughs> now, I am fully aware that this is a hardcore match and we need to suspend our disbelief somewhat. However, that was a long-ass time to sit there doing nothing. Yeah. It was a very, very long time to sit there doing nothing. Um, irrelevant. Apparently, Eli Drake was like, do you know what? Fuck it. And absolutely leathered Abyss with chair shots. There must have been, I and I'm see. not joking, 20 chair shots. And he was, wasn't holding back either. He was not. They were. That was a case of, you bastard, I've got thumbtacks in my fucking bicep, <laughs> eat some chair shots. That was clearly <laughs> what was going through Eli Drake's mind at the time. Still couldn't pin him, Abyss kicked out. Eventually, Drake picks up the paddle that he beat Tommy Dreamer with and absolutely destroys it over Abyss's head. And I mean to the point where it snaps. And we talked about the noise we yeah. We talk about the noise we made when Eddie Edwards got powerbombed onto the apron. Jesus Christ, I made the same noise here. Yeah. It's no wonder Abyss can't fucking walk. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Eli Drake wins via pinfall after that. This was this was more violent than I anticipated it being. Yeah, especially at the, like the end, the sort of the tacks, the chair shots, and then sort of paddy smashed over his head. Yeah, and he took a run up with that fucking paddle. Yeah, he took a full on run up. <laughs> um, I've seen comparisons to a lesser extent, obviously online between this match and the match between uh, Randy Orton and Mick Foley. Um, right. And sort of that hardcore legend and that young up-and-coming star. Obviously, mm-hmm. Eli Drake's not that young, but I can I can certainly see the comparisons. Um, I really enjoyed that feud. I really enjoyed Randy Orton's legend killer gimmick. I thought that was probably yeah. his best phase. Um, best thing he's ever done. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. At least he had charisma then. Um, but this, it was it was better than I thought it was going to be. But that that spot, man, with the wrist with the zip ties, it took me out of it completely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Now there, there was a point where I was close to fast forwarding the ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Come on, fucking hell, Eli! There's other matches on after this. Jesus, come <laughs> on!" Um, but nevertheless, we got a, a better match than I anticipated being, considering Abyss's age. I'm still only giving it five. Yeah, I've got five. Well, I've got five and a half, but I'll, I'll go down to five. Yeah. Um, I think giving it six would be generous, and I think giving it, you know, four would be harsh. Yeah, yeah. Considering, again, four, four stars, you're not in exactly great company. John Cena versus R-Truth from Capital Punishment 2011 wow. is the benchmark for a four-star match. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> don't go and watch it. No. Um, check out our review of it. Podmania.co.uk. Um, so we then got the match that everyone, and I mean everyone, thought would steal the show. 
and fuck me did it. We had LAX, the tag team champions, taking on the Lucha Brothers for the Impact Tag Titles. Garth. Before I go on that, I want to mention um, Killer Cross's backstage thingy before this. Oh, the man looked resplendent. He looked like sharp as hell, and just the promo he cut was so sharp. And just how he says that you've got, you've used all your options, and you've got option X, and it's just, he's just yeah, he's brilliant. He's up there with Drake for me on the like the sort of on a different sort of side of the promo scale, like sort of just so calm but sinister. I don't want to ruin going forward, but. Impact are clearly very, very hot on Killer Cross. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, good. I, th- yeah, absolutely. We've been we've been singing his praises for months and months and months. Um, and I can see him being pushed main event, and I can see him getting the title at some point. I mean, I know it's yeah. a crowded title scene. We've got Mark, we've got uh, Johnny Impact, we've got Brian Cage, we've got Killer Cross, we've got Moose, we've got. Um, Callahan, we've got a lot of people who could potentially vie for that title, and that's taken out of account people like Pentagon. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we've been slightly yeah. distracted. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. This Ma- match was... Match of the night. Everything I wanted. Oh, God, and some. This was everything I wanted from this match and more. Yeah. This match went 11 minutes, and it could have gone 20, and I wouldn't have been yeah. bored. This... That's what, I mean, that's what Don Callis was saying. He said, "This go, this is go on like, and nobody's nobody's turning over." No, the just these two teams, and the problem with the Lucha Brothers, and it's not a problem, but they will often overshadow opponents with just their unique mm-hmm. tag team offense. But bloody hell, LAX were just absolutely incredible here. Just everything Amazing. they did was just brilliant. It was it was all out action from the start, mm-hmm. absolutely. All out action. Just straight like straight off the bat, Phoenix just going absolutely batshit crazy and just doing dives from all over the shop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean we had um Pentagon jumping off someone's back to break off a cover into a Canadian destroyer <laughs> which was just honestly it was that kind of match the entire the entire way. Pinfalls weren't just broken up. Phoenix at one point broke up a pinfall by doing a double springboard foot stomp. Yeah, and it was just—it was just everything they did was so high like, pace, quick, 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 and I just—it was—it was breathless watching it. It really was. Cord breaker and it was stomp. It was like that. I mean, everything the Lucha Brothers does. Uh, sorry, everything the Lucha Brothers do. Terrible grammar. Everything the Lucha <laughs> Brothers do is always fantastic. Is always yeah. entertaining. But this—it's both of them seem to take. And just another level here. I mean, we had Pentagon with the package power driver, which Phoenix spiked him. Um, Ortiz made the save by literally spearing Phoenix into them. LAX <laughs> then hit the street sweeper onto Pentagon, and that brings about the aforementioned Phoenix save. There's literally just a bullet point list of moves that we could go through to tell you what happened in this match, and we wouldn't do it justice. It's um, it's like sometimes when you see a match, there'll be like one or two sort of gif moments this match had about 20 of them yeah yeah it was the match that in got fact you could, you could give you could give the whole match <laughs> you really could you really could we're, just, not, we're not we're not blowing smoke up its arse it genuinely is that good mm-hmm. um 
Anyway, we got to the finishing sequence. Um, LAX double teaming Phoenix hitting what can only be described as a sort of swinging double vertical suplex yeah. for uh, for the win and to retain the championships. Now, a couple of things. We've we've gushed and gushed and gushed, and we could probably gush for another ten minutes on how good this match was. Um, but my problem with it was the finish came from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I feel this match could have gone longer, definitely. Yeah, um, sure. But Pentagon went missing for the last three, four minutes of the match. Mm-hmm. He seemed to just go missing, and that left yeah. Phoenix to sort of fight them on their own. There wasn't really a specifically ridiculous move that meant Pentagon was taken out of the match. It just seemed that Pentagon disappeared for a bit. Mm-hmm. And, and at well, times... And this, there's a lot of matches that are guilty of this. At times it was like, who's the legal man here, and who's fighting who? Like, there was times where it went. It must have went a couple of minutes where everyone was just in there. Yeah. It was. I mean, not bothered because it was absolutely like magic, but it was quite chaotic as well at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Now Conan comes out having refused to be in LAX's corner because he feared <laughs> the LAX and the Lucha Brothers once they started to engage in this rivalry that they would tear themselves apart. He's realised now, in Nashville, on his 55th birthday, that they're not going to do that. They can keep it professional, and they have just put on one of the best matches, an early candidate for match of the year, and they all hold each other's hands up in the air. What a match. Brilliant. And the ending was the ending was great because there was no turn. No, no turn. And you know what? <laughs> it all Both of us said that that was where this was headed. And you yeah. know what? I'm glad it hasn't gone that way. I'm, I'm glad so well. glad that hasn't gone this way. It's actually refreshing. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. having a turn. You're absolutely right. It seemed like it was built that way and then just nothing. And I'm just, I'm happy about that because this ending and sort of this, we don't get enough of this, of people just going, do you know what? That was a fucking great match, guys. Well done. Yeah. We don't get enough of that. We feel like we are in an age now where there needs to be something more. Well, there didn't need to be anything more in this match. How the fuck do you top that? Anything else would have just ruined the match. If we'd have had a Conan heel turn after this, oh, I wouldn't yeah. have had anything left to actually give a shit about it. I was spent, Gar. Yeah, spent. I think it just yeah, and no, I think it just left everyone on a good note as well. It did absolutely. I mean, out of ten, what are you giving this? <laughs> um, honestly, it's up there with anything that was on the Wrestle Kingdom card. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put my neck out and say nine out of ten. Um, do you know what? Fuck it, yeah, absolutely. I I think this was that good. I think it was a really, yeah. really good match. Thoroughly enjoyable. It was high paced. Just everything they did was just phenomenal. It flowed seamlessly. There was no pulling punches. Everything they did was just. It was innovative. It was interesting, and I loved it. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. Really, really good. Excellent. Yeah, nine out of ten. Now, Garth. We moved on to the match for the Knockouts title next. And this yeah. had the very special stipulation of Gail Kim as the special guest referee. Now, Garth, the promo before this match saw Gail Kim explain that she had respect for both women and that she was going to call it right down the middle. Now, she might <laughs> have said other things, but I fell asleep partway through because I have never, <laughs> ever heard, even Kira Hogan, 
I have never heard such a wooden, just monotonous, boring promo as that was. There was no fire. There was no... There was. It was like a face wasn't moving. There was no expression. It was just like, I respect you, Tessa, but I also respect Ty. It was like someone had texted an answer phone. Yeah. <laughs> it was like everything was coming out like this, and I think that I am going to call it straight down the middle. Honestly, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. And I'll be honest, this didn't exactly fill me with confidence, because this entire, I knew, I knew from the very, very start that this was going to play into the final stretch and the actual outcome of the match oh yeah and that pissed me off so much because tessa blanchard deserves more than the way this match went now to start with goth and i am gonna rant a little bit i'm not gonna lie we didn't exactly paint their bound for glory match in glory (sighs) pardon the pun it's this whole feud's been just the the thing is the worst part of it is it started off as tyre coming out saying you're entitled, you act like you sh- you, this should be given to you, blah, blah, blah. I want a title match. I say, all right, well, hang on a minute. Who's the entitled one? Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. What did Ty do to deserve a title shot anyway, apart from appear on screen in Mexico? Exactly. Cool. Well, and, I don't care. And then they had their match. It wasn't great. It was all right. Then they had another match, which was better, but still wasn't great. And then this match just followed the same trend, unfortunately. It was... Especially early on, man. Especially early on, it was so clunky and so slow. Like I don't know what. I don't know if it was Ty Valkyrie or if I don't know whether it was Ty Valkyrie or if the two of them just don't have chemistry. But I think, everything. I think that might be it. Just everything. Everything they did. Just it wasn't clicking for me at all. And the entire thing of having Gail Kim in the ring constantly being this distraction to Tessa, who after every single two count would get up in Gail Kim's face for no mm-hmm. no discernible reason at all. Now that was this a match to crown a new knockouts champion or was this a match to set up a match between Tessa Blanchard and Gail Kim down the line? No idea. Because I mean, honestly, what was the focus for you, man? Well, like you say, everything seemed to be Tessa complaining about Gail Kim not calling it down the middle like she said she was going to. Um, but when I was watching it, I was thinking, it looks like Tessa's getting genuinely a bit pissed off here because she started really sort of leaving her elbow in and leaving her foot in and quite rough shotting. Like, I mean, there was, there was one bit where I think she did like a pretty brutal drop kick. Um, because it was quite close quarters, and then she sort of, then she went in like a sort of lying down sort of wrench thing, but then the pin, and she really, really dug her elbows in, and you just looked and you just thought she's trying to rough her up here. I wonder if it's maybe to get a reaction to get out of this sort of come at her, because Tyre just seemed to be just, I don't know what it is. It was like watching Nakamura, just seemed to be like dialing it in. She did. It seemed like she was going through the motions. And considering, mm-hmm. ultimately, she would end up as the new knockouts champion, I just didn't feel it at all. I mean, the, the entire the entire ending stretch of the match was Tessa Blanchard basically gets in 
Gail Kim's face. Not for the first time in the match. Gail Kim eventually snaps, which she is wont to do. You know, mm-hmm. I would as well. Blanche had me by the throat three times. Good grief. Yeah. So Gail Kim eventually goes for each defeat and Valkyrie hits road to Valhalla to win after 10 minutes and 41 seconds. But the reaction, Garth. The reaction of the asylum crowd. There were crickets. It was said, silence. Yeah, said everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, on in their entrances, like Gail Kim got a little bit of a reaction. Taya Valkyrie got nothing. She was no. trying to get people chanting nothing. Tessa oh. Blanchard comes in looking like a million dollars, looking like oh, a yeah. true like a champion, looking like exactly like a rock star, and people. Blew their lid for her. Just absolutely loved her. She lost. Are you going to see something else? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were wrestling fans. Oh, they were wrestling fans. Trust me. They apps, but they loved <laughs> Tessa Blanchard. And we had then this horrible moment where Ty Valkyrie is on top of the turnbuckle with her newly won t- prize, and just no one gives a shit. There was audible booing. Boos, there's boos, yeah. And then we cut to. Josh Matthews and Don Callis, and a massive <laughs> Tessa chant started. Yeah. I mean, you want someone to lead that knockout t- uh, division going forward. I don't see it being Ty of Valkyrie at no. all. I think, surely, at some point, either. Because I was watching it and I was so pissed off at the match. My immediate thought was, I'm going to go on Google and see if Tessa Blanchard's joining fucking All Elite. Because I thought that's the only reason I could think for them to take the belt off her. Is that she's leaving. And I hope she isn't. (laughs) I hope she isn't as well, because she is... She's unbelievable. We sing her praises all the time. It's like Killer Cross in the men's division. We Mm -hmm. sing Tessa Blanchard's praises all the time. She's just... She is incredible. Even Chris, who doesn't watch Impact, apart from, you know, the odd occasion where we make him... Um, he, even he gushes about Tessa Blanchard. That mm-hmm. is how good this woman is. Bearing in mind that she's only been wrestling, what, was it something like three years, four years? Yeah, something ridiculous like and that, yeah. She's got the crowd eating out of the palm of, the ha- palm of her hand. She, she's just she's just like, she's like um, Charlotte Flair. She's just natural. Yeah. Natural at it. They don't even really have to try. They're just good at it. For me, there should have been... The whole thing, I'm sure, is to capture, you know... The whole bringing down the heel thing. But mm-hmm. I, just, I don't, you know, Tessa Blanchard has been cutting corners. You know, we've had cheating and beating up officials and so on and so forth. It just, it didn't feel, this match didn't feel like a culmination to that storyline at all. Straight off the bat, it's, yes, you you want to sort of stop her from doing that because that's obviously the storyline they've used. But then as soon as you bring Gail Kim in and you know her fact she's a legend, she's She's a face. It's the, the balance is tipped in favour of Ty in that point, and then so you know going into the match, I knew what was going to happen. You knew that Tess was going to get pissed off, and she was going to do something to either get disqualified or the like. The match was going to go in Ty's favour because of the referee. Hmm. Why not just make it a no DQ, no why ref? Not, why not make done? it a cage match? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I know it's a small venue, the asylum, so the chance of them being able to fit a cage in, fair enough. But and just this was, just it was cool. dross, just, absolute yeah. dross, and the entire 
without the stipulation, I'm sure it would have been much better. But the entire focus was on Gail Kim mm-hmm. and Tessa Blanchard, and the entire match suffered for it because there's no way this felt like a title match. I don't. No. Was this better than their Bound for Glory match? Possibly, possibly, but like in ring work wise, probably. But the entire stipulation just pissed me off so yeah. much because the focus was taken. And I do feel for Tyre because she was thrust into this position where she was paying second fiddle in a match, well, third fiddle effectively in a match where there was only two competitors. And think, it just it yeah. felt it felt so contrived. It felt really annoying. It felt like we were building towards Blanchard and Kim and the knockout style was an afterthought. Ridiculous. Anyway. We need to move think, on, otherwise we can just talk yeah. about and rant about. I was going to say, I ages. think, I think if we hadn't been spoiled with Tessa, Taya probably would have been a good champion. But I think taking it off her and like that, and not letting her have like a really, really good long run, would it's just it's spoiled it because I think that she was slowly, slowly starting to, the fans are starting to sort of take her badass attitude a lot, like the WWE have with. Um, Becky, yeah, and I think she could have been one of those cool, badass, sort of neutral sort of. You want to be the like, anti-hero, rest- don't you? Yeah, yeah, and I think she could have been a cool one for that, but she could have been. I don't think she's. I don't think she's going to get there now. Not now. I don't know. It it just this match left more questions than it did answers. Um, I'm going to let you go first because I know what I'd give it, but I want to see if you feel the same. I've just got a five, just average match. It just, I didn't want to put it any any lower because the actual match was all right. It was the 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 story and the outcome that pissed us off. Yeah, it it was the same so for me. Five. <laughs> I went four because I'm a dickhead, but yeah, we'll go five. Why not? Um, that was how much it annoyed me. I rem- I turned it off after that match because I went to bed because you know I'm a human being and I can't no go to work on two hours. I can't go to two. I can't go to work on two hours sleep. But I just turned yeah. it off and went no. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, anyway, we cut to our main event. And the video package building up the relationship between Johnny Impact and Brian Cage, considering this has been building for a while, not the longest time, but it felt like a huge deal. And that is all credit to Brian Cage and Johnny Impact. Similarly to the whole Tyre Valkyrie thing, people are starting to sour on Johnny Impact. And yeah. that is a shame because the man is fucking gold in the ring. He's absolute mm-hmm. gold in the ring. But his lack of promo ability, because the man has got charisma oozing through him. He, I mean, you look at the state of him. He is a champion through and through. Oh, he yeah. comes out, he's got his coat on, he's got his big-ass glasses. He just he looks, you know, he's got abs. He, he just looks like a champion. But... The fact that he can't talk, the fact he seems insincere, the fact he bounces from company to company adopting their names, it just, it doesn't, to me, he should never have been Impact Champion. Not at this point. I think if they'd have built him versus Austin Aries for another another match, then he could have felt like a champion. But yeah. this whole sort of ending stretch of the pay-per-view certainly felt like, oh, look, we're Mr. and Mrs. Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that isn't what people want. And the crowd made that very, very clear come the I end mean, of the match. To be fair, I mean, this, this this video was good. And it made a lot of good points that I didn't even realise that Brian Cage had only been pinned once. 
And that was by three people. <laughs> three people after, what was so, it, nine kicks to the head or something nine, stupid? Yeah. So it's like, it, it's obviously painting him as this sort of massive obstacle for Johnny Impact. But then, to be fair to Johnny Impact, the videos of the interviews that he's done for this video were really good. So the editing must have been really good, or he's, he's much better in that environment rather than like a live promo. Yeah. Because it was actually really good, and he told a good story. So you can do it. It's just just a stilted sort of live promos just need work. They do. And this match itself was good. We should take a moment to appreciate Cage's Terminator attire. I, I was, was just really going to cool. say, I was going to say, what the fuck? I mean, <laughs> the fact it's like, that... It's, you... like, it's like you'd watched uh, Wrestle Kingdom, hasn't it? It was, yeah. I need a big promo. I need a big entrance, sorry. I mean, the fact that you could see the strapping took it away for me a little bit. <laughs> I mean... Did he need the arm as well? Potentially not. It was good fun. It was campy. It was was stupid, but I loved it. I thought it was ace. Um, We then kicked straight into the match. Really fast action again. Brian Cage showing off that just because he's the Swolverine doesn't mean he can't do the high stuff. We had Buckle Bombs, the Weapon X, which is possibly one of the most contrived moves to get someone into. (laughs) Similar to Velveteen Dream's DDT. Um, And Cage dominated early on. Impact's whole thing was to try and work Cage over so he got tired so that he could start working but Cage got over massive in this match and even what, 10 minutes into this 19 minute match, the crowd started chanting new champ at Brian Cage. It's just his athletics but it's just his insane power. Like the monkey flips he was doing from the corner and literally launching him across the ring just and then, um, like I've got like Cage on top for most of this match, um, but then like um, where Johnny impacted that insane sort of flip knee thing to the outside, yeah. said, Fuck, you, you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself, Johnny. Stop it. <laughs> and then don't forget, you look at the size difference between Brian Cage and Johnny Impact, and then think Johnny Impact hit Cage with a Spanish fly off the top. Yeah, that was brilliant. That's that's incredible. Um, the fact that Brian Cage kicked out before one, brilliant. Fact, Johnny Impact went for a fucking razor's edge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the man is great in the ring. This was a really good match. He hit Starship Pain, which Brian Cage kicked out of. Nobody yeah. kicks out of Starship Pain. That's that was a really really big point in the match as well. Like Don Callis really big that up. Nobody kicks out of this move. Nobody ever. They, I think they made the point of saying this is what got him in the championship. This is what put Aries away, um, which was good. I mean, everything was everything in this match was geared towards making Cage look like an absolute superstar. It was, and they did a good job of this. And I thought, you know, we've talked about the fact that Johnny Impact needs to work on his promo ability and somewhat his acting, but this was brilliant when he kicked out of Starship Pain. They focused in on Impact's face mm-hmm. and Impact had that look on his face of that was all I've got. Yeah. What the fuck do I do now? <laughs> which was great, which was really, really good. Now at this point, the crowd is starting chanting TNA, which was which was brilliant, you know, chanting for a company that doesn't exist anymore because they bankrupted themselves almost. But, you know, it this was how into it they were. And do you know what? For a minute, it was like it was TNA again. You know, the yeah. place was rocking. We had a good main event. It was brilliant. Then this fucking stupid bullshit happened. Now, I oh, understand. Oh, yeah, there's a, the Z-listers. 
I understand completely that we have to have a winner in this match without either man looking weak. We can't really have Brian Cage pinned fairly, so let's think of a way to do it. Now, I'm all I'm saying is that any other way apart from this would have been perfect. Now, <laughs> before the match, we learn that some of the members of the Survivor <coughs> television show are in the crowd. Now, Garth, I don't know about you, I didn't note their names down because I don't give a fuck. Um, I don't give a shit about them, don't know why they're there. They can fuck off. Um, I think for the um, for the Americans, it's probably the equivalent of having someone from the only way is Essex or something. Exactly. Who gives Just nobody's? a fuck? Anyway, and needless to say, they said he was. They were Johnny Impact's friends. Didn't Johnny Impact get voted off first? I'm sure he no was idea. the first one <laughs> voted off, which meant I'm sorry he didn't have a lot of time to make friends. Anyway, they were in the audience for some reason, hammered as well. So Brian Cage is sent to the outside, and the Survivor guys then start trying to act all cool. And Brian Cage shoves one of them into next week. Yeah. Honestly, he gave him a one-armed push and this bloke went fucking flying. <laughs> so at this point, this weedy fuck is trying to get into the ring. Sorry, to get into the arena and Johnny Bravo is trying to stop him. In the process of trying to stop him, he misses the drill claw, which Cage then pins um, Impact for about a count of about 15. Yeah. Um, you know, And this is where the commentary team were brilliant. They constantly say... Brian Cage won that match. He's 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 got the yep. match won. Anyway, we we deal with that bullshit, and Brian Cage gets onto the ropes. Now here, I'm not entirely sure what he was trying to do here. It was like he tried to suplex him from Johnny Impact from like the from outside the, like, into the inside. Not from the middle rope. Yeah, it was from the, the top weirdest rope. move. Anyway, Impact sort of reverses it but in a really clumsy and untidy way and turns it into a roll-up. Now, God, I didn't count a three count here. No, I didn't, and it just looked like it looked like you just fell on top of him. It looked like a rushed ending. Now I in premise, the idea's good. In execution, it was it appalling. Was just, yeah, you could tell it was just one of them lost a footing or something. Or the rope was looser than they thought it was, something like that, and they've just not been. He's, I think he hasn't been able to get the leverage that he was supposed to get. It just it seemed very clumsy, and I don't know if Cage was just yeah. gassed because again, this match went nineteen minutes. I don't know if he was just gassed, but it was it was a very very strange ending. I think a roll up, a surprise roll up, or some kind of quick three count or something like that, even Killer Cross getting involved would have made more sense than the fact that we have to explain to people that Brian Cage, the monster, the machine, lost his chance at the Impact title because of these Z-list celebrities that no yeah. one gives a shit about. I genuinely thought at one point it was David Arquette. <laughs> that would have been brilliant. <laughs> I'd have preferred that. At least, at, least he's got, at least he's got a link to oh, exactly. wrestling. At least he's got some wrestling experience. But honestly, that... At this point, I was like, oh, fuck off. Anyway, Cage is absolutely livid, understandably, grabs the title, throws his stim pact and storms back without a backwards glance. Um, Callus then says, do you know what? It was the Survivor guys that cost Cage the match, not Johnny Impact. It's Survivor guys' fault, which in my head made me think, I wonder if we'll watch Brian Cage absolutely murdering the Survivor guys in a one-on-two handicap yeah. match. It would be brilliant. Anyway, Tay Valkyrie came out with her own title. They posed together with the belts to fucking the booze. silence. Fuck me, the, the booze the as booze. well. The booze are 
I mean, do you want that for two face champions? No. But it's fine because they went home happy, Garth. And so did I because Killer Cross came out. <laughs> Killer Cross destroys Johnny Impact and then takes Taya Valkyrie and power bombs her into the crowd. <laughs> and I clapped. I fucking love that. I clapped, Garth. <laughs> on my own, watching a pay per view, I clapped Killer Cross power bombing Taya Valkyrie into the crowd because honestly, that happened. I loved it, but then the crowd started chanting, kill, cross, kill. (laughs) And that's where we fade to black. I mean, it was a great end. They're doing such a good job of building Killer Cross, but that main event, it was going so it was such a good match. And then I know what they were trying to do, and that makes it worse. The ending of that match was absolutely bullshit. Bullshit, yeah. And it it really, really ruined the reaction for a lot of the fans because, as we both said now, there was just booze. Booze yeah. and booze and booze all around the asylum. I mean, and you don't want watching, that as your parting image. I was watching it all the way through. Like, all the way through, because of the the stuff they've had before with Killer Cross, I was thinking, Cross is going to come out and get Johnny the win. And therein starts their feud, but no, it's just a stupid shitty end. It does seem to negate entirely the whole, like, last, what, six weeks? Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing has been Killer Cross trying to basically cuddle up and pal up with with Johnny Impact. Mm-hmm. Just a powerbomb at the end? It, yeah. it didn't really make any sense for me. The fact that he came out and destroyed him, I love that. <laughs> You know, quick, kill across, people are booing the face champions. Go out and kill, kill, cross, kill. Which, fantastic. I love that. What are you giving this match, Garth? Because I'm torn. Uh, to be fair, to be fair on the match, 99% of it was excellent. Like, really good. The, the storytelling, the, the Johnny Impact working, the cage's, like, leg, and you have, like, his leg strapped or his shoulder strap. He's, like, working that. And, I mean, to be, I mean, some of the stuff he was trying to do, like the razor's edge, he was trying to lift them all the time. Cage just showing what an absolute monster he is. Just, it was a really fun, enjoyable match. Yeah. The last bit spoiled it, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give it. No, I'm still going to give the actual match and Killer Cross coming in at the end. I'm going to give it an eight. I think eight is being generous. I would. It is. Without it being, if we hadn't have had the ridiculous Survivor subplot, I'd have been more than happy with eight. I think it was an eight out of ten match. For me, with that ending, with the clumsy finish, with again, which seemed so rushed, I don't feel like I can give it more than seven. Mm-hmm. Because I get it. I mean, for me. I was I was furious because it just it made no sense. I wasn't furious at the fact that these people intervened because I don't give a shit about them. I don't know who they are. I don't give a shit. I just it's it ruined the match for me, and that's what frustrated me. And it took away from the match, I have to think. It did. It did absolutely. So I'm going to pull rank and give it seven. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) But ladies and gentlemen, that was homecoming, and this was. A really, really good show. It was a really good show. We had some absolutely outstanding matches. The pace was excellent. It breezed by. You know, we had 
the tag match, which was just phenomenal. Please, if you take nothing from this review, go and watch that match. The main event for, you know, despite its ridiculous, ridiculous end, was a really, really good match. We had the Eddie Edwards match, again, really, really good. I'm hoping to see more Willie Max, Sammy Callahan. I thought Abyss, considering the man's 136, did really, really well. This, the only negative points, you know, the main event, the ending to the main event was just mind-boggling. The whole stipulation mm-hmm. in the knockouts women's match was stupid and yeah. should not have been put in place because it took away from the match. And, you know, the women's tag match was a bit boring, but, you know, that's that's me being nitpicky, I think. Those two things really bought the show down from where it could have mm-hmm. been for me. Um, I'd be, I'd say this show, you're looking at between a 7 and an 8. Yeah, obviously, we don't definitely. do 0.5s on this show. So I'm going to play it safe and give it 7. That's still right. a really good show. Yeah. Bearing in mind that Chris mm-hmm. tried to give Bound for Glory 6 <laughs> because the man's an imbecile. Because <laughs> it wasn't... Because it wasn't New Japan. Because it wasn't New Japan was his reasoning. Shut up, Christopher. Um, I'm I'm gonna give it seven. I mean, yeah. what what would you give it overall? Would you would you stick Would you stick with eight or? I probably would stick with it just because of the the reintroduction of Ultimate X, which is really good fun. Uh, the and the tag match, which was just phenomenal, just one of the best matches. I mean. We're only a few weeks into the year, but it's going to definitely be up there with the the runner for best match of the year. Yeah, absolutely, definitely best impact match of the year. But they're, they're, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd probably agree with the seven year overall. Yeah. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was the first impact pay per view of two thousand and nineteen. Finally, we got our review done. Our internet held <laughs> up, Skype held up. We're all good. Um, but thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. In the next couple of days, you will find our Impact review from Impact's first foray onto Pursuit. You will find our review of the NXT TakeOver UK Blackpool show, which is a lot harder to say, and I said it wrong then, um, which me, Garth, and Chris all went to. So you will find our reactions later on this week. And on Sunday, you will tune in to mine and Chris's Wrestle Kingdom Fallout. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast. You can check it out on iTunes, on CastBox, on Podcast Addict. Anywhere good podcasts can be found, you can find us there. Subscribe, leave us a favourable review. We'd really appreciate that. And just generally leave us nice comments. Again, we'd thoroughly appreciate that. You can follow us on Twitter at Podmania. You can find us on Facebook, again, Podmania. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Real Podmania. Same with our Instagram. If you want to talk to me and tell me I'm an idiot, which I'm absolutely fine with, because to be fair, I am, you can talk to me on Twitter at RealRobGoodwin. Garth, if they want to abuse you. Uh, at Drummer Jackson. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in, guys, and we will talk to you guys again soon. <laughs>